Welcome back. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. I've had numerous listeners that reached out to me in the past couple of months requesting more footage or episodes about my own experiences since as everyone knows, I love upholding a space to help dissect and synthesize the world-class performers and thinkers that I have on the show about their respective experiences and I love learning from others. With that being said, I have a Christmas present for everyone. I was recently interviewed on one of the top mental health podcasts in the United States called the Millennial Mental Health Channel. I talked in-depthly about my own sexual trauma, why I believe in the power and the potential of psychedelic therapy, the research behind it, because the evidence and research is extremely robust since the 1960s, and what do people mean so-called accelerated healing. I unpack all these topics relating to my own healing journey, and this is actually the first time I openly and publicly disclosed about my own sexual trauma with the world. So this is a deeply, deeply meaningful episode to me personally, and I believe it is a much-needed conversation. And I've already had listeners reach out from that episode and inspire me to share this on my own podcast and why. I really believe psychedelic is a game changer and it's going to radically change the healing landscape for so many that's been battling and been plagued by different mental health and emotional health challenges. With that being said, this week is Christmas or holiday seasons for many and it's filled with joyous moments, quality family time, and a lot of food coma that's going to inevitably happen, which is great. At the same time, not all of us have families or loved ones we get to spend this holiday and Christmas seasons with. To those, I want to say that you are not alone and you have others who are supporting you and cheering you on from afar. Please enjoy this week's special episode that I did with Millennial Mental Health Channel. Let's get this started. Discover More Podcast is for introspective thinkers with growth mindsets seeking authentic life stories. As a therapist, Benoit Kim highlights the magical relationship between healing and the optimal human experience of what we call life. Here's to mental health being a top priority today and every single day. Let's get this started. Hello and welcome back to MMHC. This is episode 80. 80. Number 80. (laughs) We are super excited for today. We have an excellent topic. We have an excellent guest who goes by the name Benoit Kim. He is a former policymaker turned therapist, a U.S. Army veteran, and the host of the podcast Discover More. Eddie and I just collaborated with Benoit, and we had a great episode. We had such a fun time. So please go and check out the the episode that we did with Benoit and all the other episodes that he has on the Discover More podcast. His show was featured on Top Apple Podcasts 200 chart twice in 2022 and recently became a top 2% globally ranked podcast. He studied at UPenn to become a policymaker, Then while on a near deployment in Korea, he had his first episode of depression, which sparked a personal and career change. He intends on becoming a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist in the future. And when he told me about this, I knew immediately that's what we were going to be talking about on our podcast because I just love the topic of psychedelics. So everyone, 
And by everyone, I mean Eddie. Please help me in welcoming Benoit Kim to the show. Benoit, welcome. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Really excited to pack six hours worth of bread and butter about psychedelics in 45 minutes. So, (laughs) If there's any group of guys that can do it, I think it's us. Uh, I do want to make one comment before we start. Uh, and it has nothing to add to the show, maybe a little bit. Earlier today when I was at work, we had like a staff meeting that we do like every couple of weeks. And while I went to the staff meeting, uh, one of the teachers came up and he said he'd like looked at the counseling center staff, the counselors and myself. He goes, I, I want to sit with the with the mushrooms over here. And I'm just like, what the hell does that even mean? And he looked at me, he's like, you get it? The fun guys. I was like, all right. <laughs> but um, so it kind of relates. Not really. Just wanted to share that. Let's get into it. <laughs> and on that note, so Benoit, kick us off. Tell us a little bit how you got introduced to the topic of psychedelics uh, and, and why you're so interested in becoming a psychedelic assisted therapist. Yeah, we're starting with the most probably important experience I've had in my 20s. So I share this in part because there is a difference between being traumatized and having a traumatic experience. And a quick trigger warning is involved sexual trauma uh, Mm -hmm. during my college years. I'm happy to share it now because I was able to work through this really, really difficult and vulnerable period of my life through the magical power of psychedelic assisted therapy or psilocybin. So I entered this vindictive path because I was a Christian. I'm still a Christian and I was part of Greek life. And I didn't want to necessarily save my marriage for my partner per se at the time in my early 20s. But I knew I wanted to be hyper intentional with who I give my virginity or who I partake with. And uh, this person, unfortunately, took advantage of me one time and I woke up uh, with the trauma on the other side. And that sort of catalyzed a series of events and behaviors I'm not very proud of. I felt like I was a victim of my circumstances. I feel like she and the world did us dirty. And of course, sexual trauma is more common and pervasive among women. At the same time, about one in eight men get sexually assaulted. And it's not something that's commonly talked about. So I'm happy to use my own personal experience to highlight the efficacy and the amazing capacity that psychedelic medicine do have in today. So that vindictive path lasted about until when I was in my mid-20s. And nothing helped. Therapy didn't help. Introspection didn't help. Journaling didn't help. Until I came across this healer who agreed to do a facilitated psychedelic therapy experience. And I just put this as a context. Before this eight-hour session, I hated this person. And I became this version of myself that I'm not very proud of. Within eight hours, the next morning, I had this profound reframe and this thought that, huh, I wonder how she's doing. Maybe I should reach out and tell her that I forgive you. And I didn't didn't follow through because I forgot her last name and it was too much hard work. But... I wanted to forgive her, not for the sake of herself, but I wanted to give myself the permission to move on and leave this behind me, not overcoming it, but moving through it. And through that, I realized psychedelics and magic mushrooms cannot just be for party drugs. And, ooh, seeing all these colorways, it has to be something much more deeper than this. And I came across John Hopkins, MAPS's research on psychedelics, 
they completed their third FDA trial recently. And I realized, wow, this is a brand new world. How come the people in the world isn't talking about this? And that led me to my catalyst decision to become a therapist myself, also to leverage the amazing efficacy that psychedelics could bring to all those who need this help desperately. Damn. Benoit, seriously, we're not going to move forward yet. I just want to say thank you. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. That's super tough to talk about. I mean, you get it. We all get it. Like as mental health professionals, like I, I never ask and not that you're a client at all, I, but I never <laughs> ask clients to like, I just tell them whatever you feel comfortable sharing. So for you to, to share that with us, with our listeners, like I, I hope our, our listeners, and I think, I know they will, I know they'll appreciate just how, how, how difficult that is to share that. So thank you so much. Seriously, that we appreciate it a ton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really feel like it's an important topic that's not discussed enough, even though the stigma around mental health has resided a lot. And it's cool that Gen Z especially, and mm -hmm. us being millennials, really vanguarded that movement. But I came across an article about four weeks ago that says still about 50% of Americans view seeking therapy as being weak. Mm. So I think there's a lot more work to be done. So I'm honored that you two are willing to host me with these experiences to really spread some hope that there is hope and there is help as long as you're willing to go through the discomfort and bear with the experience and the journey. Well, one, when you were given the stat, I thought you were going to say like 50% of, of Americans are still like against psilocybin because I can see that. <laughs> like I could definitely see that as being the number. It might actually be higher. I don't know. It might be lower. I don't know. But given that idea and that thought like what is like one of the biggest misconceptions that you've seen like about psychedelic therapy how do you address it like there's a fight basically going on right with like psilocybin assisted treatment of like i was just reading an article before like getting ready for today of like oregon we've talked about this like two years ago they they passed where psilocybin assisted treatment could be legal in the state not much has, has really been put in place for it to start happening, right? It's been two years already, and now, you know, it might be in jeopardy. Like, I don't even know where it's at, and it's like there's there's almost like a fight and a push to educate people to be like, you're right, it's not just about the funny colors and the, you know, seeing sounds kind of thing and just tripping just a trip. It's it's a legitimate treatment that has a lot of backing to it. So, like, how do we how do we combat these misconceptions? Like, what are you hearing? Like, how how do we address it? Yeah, I think uh, Justin talked about this on our episode together, that a lot of people and healthcare professionals and the general public believe that it's a fad. It's a temporary trend that's going to fade. That's not true. A lot of evidence has been established. Not going to go too much into it since Justin already talked about it before. Uh, but I think the biggest misconception is that they view the molecule of psychedelics as the miracle compound that's end-all be-all. Uh, what I mean by this, a lot of people view like therapy as, oh, if I see a therapist, all my problems will disappear and my life will be upgraded automatically overnight. Yeah. That's not the case because integration is what makes therapy work. And as we talked about, therapy is simply an avenue to self-explore, self-uncover, and to think about how we can learn ways to get unstuck from being stuck, whatever that stuck means. Likewise, psychedelics is just a bridge. It's an avenue to get to where you want to go, but it's not the destination, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is you have to work with a facilitator, a healer, or a licensed therapist to guide you through the experience, 
to guide you through the profound insights that emerged throughout this trip. And then, based on the uncovered insights through the facilitations by an expert, then you have to integrate and think about how that applies to your everyday life. Otherwise, you have the best eight hours of your life through colorways, insights, hallucinations, and then you just go back to your daily routine like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. You're going to revert to your baseline of normalcy. And that's just a waste of like $60 and eight hours of colorways, right? There is rules, there is instructions, there is guidelines that you have to follow. And I don't think a lot of people see that. You're absolutely like, it's not just a magic pill or whatever. You don't just take it and you're good to go. Like there, it is a legitimate treatment that is, is intentional. Probably the main word that goes along with it is a guided trip. To echo what Benoit said, so many people think like, oh yeah, you just do a bunch of mushrooms and go off into the woods and like have a spiritual awakening. But no, you are with someone, you are with a guide and it is a, a structured thing. And I think the Johns Hopkins people have, have been the biggest proponents of creating those flight instructions to make sure that the trips have uh, the least amount of complications as possible. I do have a quote from the actual flight instructions from Bill Richards. And this is something that the guide is actually supposed to tell the participant. So this is an actual quote from Mm -hmm. the actual flight instructions. But it says, You may experience a deep and transcendental experience. You may have feelings of the loss of oneself, experience a sensation of rebirth or even death. You may experience a feeling that you have ceased to exist as an individual and are connected to the world or the universe. If you experience the sensation of dying, melting, dissolving, exploding, going crazy, etc., go ahead. Experience the experience. Remember that the death and transcendence of your ego or your everyday self is always followed by rebirth and return to the normative world of space and time safest way to return to normal is to entrust self unconditionally to the emerging experience. So I, I love that part. I think that's just the perfect quote to summarize what the flight instructions and what the guide is supposed to be. I think uh, to, to have a question for Benoit, you said that your trip uh, and your guided trip lasted about eight hours. Go through the details a little bit more with me. What did you what did you notice? What was going on in your mind? What thoughts did you have? What did you find particularly healing about the experience? So there is a lot of intricacies there, right? But generally speaking, MDMA lasts a little bit shorter than uh, psilocybin, uh, depending on the settings and the controlled dosage. And of course, there are risk factors. So please consult with your physicians to make sure you're even eligible to partake in this healing modality because it works, but it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. What, how it works is I come up, I have a lot of uh, recreational experiences, wink, wink, if you know what I mean. So um, <laughs> my threshold, <laughs> so my threshold and the capacity for uh, psychedelics were higher than the average consumer, so to speak. So I took about a gram, 1.5 grams, which is about 10 times the normal micro dosage. Mm. The recommended dosage is usually 25 milligrams or 10 milligrams, depending on how new the person is. And we set the intention and I submit a playlist that I want to listen to throughout the experience because music and every little thing matters for those six to eight hour period. And we agree upon a intention. We agree upon the playlist and we did like a pseudo flight instructions 
the guided person just told me that, hey, here are some of the things you to look out for. You may feel like you're not in control. Your reality might shatter. You might see some unexplainable things. You might have trains of insights, 50,000 miles every minute that comes at you. You may forget how to speak. You may forget the most basic motor skills under the influence. So I had a very healthy expectation to go into it because I've done it before, but never guided. And I think it reminds me of when I did it recreationally, I almost have to just survive if I had an air cold bad trip or if it was overwhelming through the lights and just overstimulation. But having a person, it's like a grounding pillar. This person will literally walk you through and talk you through the entire experience. That's why it's not the cheapest because you're paying for eight hours of hard labor and love for them to sit through your experiences together. At the same time, anytime you feel panicked or you feel like the world is out of control because that's what it feels like at times, it's a reality-shattering moment. An ego death happens because of that often. The best thing that I heard from him is that, Benoit, remember that you are in control in terms of how you want to feel and all of these are happening inside of your mind. At the same time, paradoxically, you're not in control. You have to let go and accept and feel the feelings and experience the experience, as the flight instructions quote just said. And that was a game changer when I realized, oh, I can't control how this goes. So might as well surrender and let go and see what happens on the other side. And I think that's what really clicked and helps for me. This is so like deep and like existential. I'm like, damn, I don't know if I'm ready for all this. <laughs> no, it, it almost feels like um, this experience, the experience or the feelings and all that is like, it's like principles of act and stuff. So that's pretty like acceptance and commitment therapy. Like that's, that's cool. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Like this real story that's so like, and I don't even want to say the word like trippy because I almost feel like that, um, uh, that lessens like the importance or like the legitimacy of like a psilocybin or psilocybin assisted treatment. But like, it just feels so like, yeah, like existential. That's cool. It is absolutely existential in a lot of different ways. And one of the th ways that I've heard it described as is it allows you to make so much more progress in therapy so much faster and it allows you to see so much mm. more, and, you know, to be honest, in our world these days, we're all about instant. We're all about instant gratification. And therapy takes time. And a lot of people don't want to dedicate an hour a week for 15, 20 weeks to do a full course of therapy. And that's one of the reasons why psychedelic therapy is so enticing is because it is so much faster than what we have right now. And in a lot of ways, from the data that we have so far, it's a lot more potent. It's a lot better of a treatment. To kind of give you a comparison of the typical treatments that we have in mental health. So typically we, we use effect sizes when talking about how good treatments are at making an effect or causing an effect. Usually the, the range is a mild effect is like a 0.3, moderate's around a 0.5, and a high effect size is around 0.8.
to give you an idea, SSRIs are typical antidepressant medications. It's like a 0.3. So the actual effect on reducing depression, reducing anxiety is mild at best. Uh, ECT, which is our absolute best treatment that we have, most studied treatment for depression, effect size is a 0.8. So it's a high effect size. We know mm. it works. But I, I looked at a meta-analysis from 2021 from Luoma et al. that found that the effect size of psychedelic therapy was around 1.2. So even like significantly higher than ECT. So that's one of the things that's so exciting about psychedelic therapy is that not only is it fast, you only need it once or at least one dose at a time for months at a time, and it has the potential to be way better than anything we have right now. So I'd want to turn it over to Benoit and ask him about what are your thoughts in terms of why is this such a groundbreaking therapy and, and why are you such a big believer in it in your own personal reasons? Yeah, so that's a great question. But before I answer that, I want to lean into the accelerator analogy you talked about. I think the way I think about this is a lot of people do view psychedelics as a shortcut. The reason why lottery is a thing or Powerball is a thing because there's always enough people that want shortcuts to success or instant fame or money. But the reality is, if you guys know anyone that's an accelerator program for coding or any professional development, Accelerator programs are intense AF. It requires a lot more work, a lot more stress, a lot more hours. It's a lot more rigorous and intensive versus a regular program. That's how I want to reframe and ask the listeners to view psychedelics through. Yes, it does accelerate the healing at a rapid pace. At the same time, it requires increasingly and significantly more effort to integrate the set insights. And I just want to start with that very quickly. Yeah. But I think that ties into my answer, right? Is that's how I view psychedelics and that's how I, why I believe in the avenue so much. But without being too nerdy. Get nerdy with it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one of the contributing mechanisms for like psychedelics, these are a lot of speculations and theories and people write theories and people are flawed. So theories are flawed, just to put it out there. But one of the mechanisms behind PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is actually ontological shock. Ontology is a study of reality or perceptions reality. And a lot of ontological shock happens in PTSD, which makes them their reality breaks through a very traumatic experience like deployment or otherwise. And they're unable to resume to their own reality based on the experience. So that's all PTSD happens on a very general broad stroke. Same mechanism of ontological shock happens and occurs during a psychedelic experience. That's what allows a breakthrough in an accelerated pace. But remember what I said earlier, it's accelerated because your world and your reality is being shattered and destroyed in a hundredfold speed versus you go through three years of therapy or 15 to 20 weeks of therapy. And for that a year or a year and a half, your reality gets shattered broken, adjusted, updated, and now you can go back to your life as an improved version of yourself. So you're shrinking that into eight hour to two to four sessions. Imagine the impact. And I hope that answers the questions uh, somewhat directly. Hell yeah, that was dope. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Like, well, you made a fan out of Eddie. Though. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, <clears throat> your analogy, your... Ex- uh, 
damn. This is like perfect. Like this is like if I can understand it, there's a lot of people that are now understanding <laughs> it. So this is awesome. Hell yeah. Benoit, do not ask if that answered the question. It definitely did. <laughs> I really love the avenue of uh, psychedelics and like anytime I come across friends or like fellow because my partner's a physician so I'm friends with most people at Kaiser in LA and every time you with them we just geek out and I literally talk to them for like an hour and a half about psychedelics and then I'll be like wait 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 wait. why didn't you cut me off we'll be here for the next four hours until yeah. midnight on a Tuesday <laughs> and we have to wake up at five so but I really believe in the avenue because I've experienced it. I know countless people have experienced it and the research support supports it. Of course, we're not just data. We're more than data, right? We're more than the sum of its parts. At the same time, it really works for those who are eligible based on the health criteria like I talked about. Yeah. One thing that I'm thinking about as you're sharing all this is how much like, yeah, treatments, therapy, people getting help. It's so like like numbers based i guess or like people won't believe it unless there's like the objective data but i feel like this i guess like therapy in general but but like so much of what you're sharing today it has the numbers it has the objective data but it also has this like subjective anecdotal piece that i think is super impactful and that i think people being able to hear that part on top of the numbers makes it like almost a no-brainer for some people like yeah like why why wouldn't we want to support this like why why would we not think that this is helpful like look at the numbers and he, listen to what Benoit is saying like this sounds amazing so I think I, I just think it's a it's a really cool like intersection of the objective subjective data anecdotal like pieces that Justin he is the numbers guy I'm the anecdotal guy <laughs> so now you're just like throwing <laughs> us together <laughs> and like putting it in like a way that's so easily digestible so i just wanted to acknowledge that i think that's pretty cool stats and facts right stats yeah. and facts, baby. <laughs> that's right <laughs> yes and it's it's so true so much of the medical world I mean, the the data's got to be flawless there's got to be multiple studies mm -hmm. it's got to be recreated which is important we need that evidence-based medicine but one of the biggest criticisms of psychedelic therapy that you heard all the time and, and luckily it seems to be going away now that more and more data is coming out but the main criticism always tended to be well there's no controls there's no controls in these trials like it's really hard to create a control group in a trial with psychedelics because if you take a psychedelic you tend to know and if you don't get the psychedelic you tend to know that, that you didn't get it so it's really hard to control but either way they were seeing that the people who took the psychedelics had this huge effect on depression, anxiety, substance use. And in my mind, it's like it doesn't really matter if there's a control or not, because the perception to those people was that, that there was a huge change. And it did end up being lasting change in a lot of those people as well. So I don't think that criticism really holds up, but that was what people were really clinging to for the longest time. Yeah, and like the uh, psychedelics is a very versatile compound, right? Like SSRIs doesn't really work with anxiety. It works somewhat with depressions, although 30 to an hour of rigorous workout or running produces amount of similar serotonin release as SSRI does. Um, because, well, I share that because a lot of artists could microdose to for creativity's sake, mm -hmm. and an emerging phenomenon and established evidence with psychedelic phenomenon is 
creativity or increasing of creativity that's been studied and documented. So that's that's real. The second thing is it creates a neural reset. Like helps in neuroplasticity, right? It makes your brain more malleable. Because as we get older, we're like a CPU machine. It kind of slows down a little bit. We get blue screens of death sometimes if you didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You're just a malfunctioning left and right. And I do psychedelic psilocybin at least once a year. I'll be doing it in December soon. Uh, I'll do a controllable dosage. And what it does is, yes, it helps with the intention. And yes, it helps with the healing. And yes, it's a cool amazing experience with a lot of colorways and a lot of cool insights and things like that and it helps releases some of the neurotoxins that's in your brain and i'm sure justin can talk more about that too because a lot of these substances or behaviors or things we consume leave some residues of toxins in our brains over time and it's not that big of a deal if you get your sleep well because in your sleep obviously your neurons are working hard to clean those and release those, those toxins but if you have poor sleep habit and your CPU is malfunctioning and you're having blue screens of death often and you can't quite get your sleeping hygiene or your behaviors together yet due to different circumstances because life is tough for sure. You can use this as like a air quote accelerated way to instantly release and reset your neurotoxicity level uh, with one session. And I do that religiously and the effect of this is also documented well in evidence and literature as well. In the world of science and the world of mental health, there is a lot of really good data. Most of what we're talking about is macro dosing. So using a high enough dose that you feel the effects of the psychedelics, there is less actual studies and data on the effects of microdosing, but there are lots of good subjective uh, st- or stories of people saying that it has helped significantly with creativity. As far as I know, just because I know Benoit, you're always up on the data. Are there more uh, more studies coming out about microdosing and the benefits yeah. of it? Uh, more than before, but not really. It's similar to like uh, how do you prove how potent an edible is? Like now with being more legalized, right? There's more regulations and guidelines, and it's they're able to like scale it by regulating it. But microdose, we're not quite there yet. Because mm-hmm. like, you guys remember when uh, marijuana was first legalized or decriminalized in certain states, a lot of people are going to hospitals because their edibles were way too potent mm-hmm. for them to handle. So I think that's an issue that we still have to work through. But there is incredible wealth of documented anecdotal evidence and uh, some scientific evidence suggests that microdose still works to a lighter extent. And uh, it just this just hit me, but my brain is firing because I, this is like this is my jam. I love psychedelics. <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best analogy I heard this from Mind Valley by the founder of Vision. It's a great educational uh, format. Uh, Mind Valley. He talks about using the analogy of operating system for our brains. Like how often do we up- upgrade the operating systems of our MacBooks or Microsofts or whatever? You have to, even with your phones, you have to upgrade, even though I just upgraded my phone and the battery's killing me, but that's a different story. <laughs> but you have to you have to update it constantly, right? That makes sense. We're like, oh, okay, we get that. We're millennials, we understand. But how often do we upgrade our operating system? Whether that's our worldview, that's our perceptions, whether that's our rigidity, our flexibilities, our ability to be receptive towards the information, our operating system is not that great, let's be honest, for most of us. A lot of us can't even shower twice a day and brush our teeth properly, let alone operating our internal world map. 
And I think psychedelics on a microdose level is a great way to incrementally and on a very tiny level and a very safe level to upgrade your operating systems little bit by little bit. But if you have enough comfortability and experience, obviously larger doses can go from Windows 95 to like, I'm a MacBook user, so I don't know what the newest edition of Microsoft <laughs> is, but. I think it's Windows 11. I don't know. I have a PC at work. I think it's 11. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Stopped counting. <laughs> yeah. You made an excellent point there about rigidity. And for some reason, it's fascinating to me that humans can get so rigid in their thinking. And I think it's a product of biology. It's a product of society. It's, it's what we're taught. But... So many people get so rigid and especially rigid in their egos uh, to the point where people will defend themselves to try and protect their ego and they'll prevent themselves from changing or making changes or noticing things that they have to change in their life because their ego can't accept that they were wrong. That's one of the proposed mechanisms of how psychedelics actually work is that it, it disrupts your default mode network so that you have to refigure out how to fix things. And like you said, your reality shatters, your ego shatters, and then you have to put yourself back together again in an objective way. And when you put yourself back together again intentionally, you can put yourself back together again in a way that you like, in a way that fixes some of those things that your ego was stopping you, that your ego was making you too rigid to look at yourself honestly. Brilliantly said, and actually brings up another analogy that just popped up. I swear I didn't microdose before this interview. This is just me. <laughs> Wouldn't judge you if you did. Completely <laughs> fair if you did. That's okay. Yeah, this is just me on a typical Wednesday night just yeah. vibing with friends. But <laughs> does everyone remember the paper straw thing that kind of pulls in your fingers together? Little finger traps. Yeah, yeah. yeah the finger traps, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like what happens when you pull away from each other, it gets tighter and tighter and you're stuck. Mm -hmm. That's how I view rigidity. A lot of people want to double down on their worldview because they feel safe and comfortable. But that's what they're doing. They're pulling their fingers apart and it's actually getting tighter and tighter and tighter. The only way to unstuck that is you actually bring your fingers back together, AKA surrendering and letting go, mm -hmm. or at least taking a step back. But I think a lot of people do struggle with that because of biology, as you said, and because of environment and because of their upbringing. And I mean, who doesn't want to feel comfortable? I don't want to deal with pain. I don't want to talk about my trauma. I don't want to see a therapist as a man, as, a man, as Justin talked about in the show. But I want to get unstuck and I want to optimize and I want to improve my well-being so that I can show up better for everyone that I love. Mm -hmm. Because I have to be 100% to be the 100% that my loved one needs, especially now that I'm engaged my fiance needs me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that's how, I, that's how I view our healing and that's the reason why I really believe in psychedelics and why we need to do the work. Whatever that work means, however painful that work could be, we have to do the work to the best of our responsibility, tying into how self-compassion and gracious Eddie's central messages are. To the best of your ability, do the work, and you'll be surprised by the magic that awaits on the other side. I'm a firm believer of that statement. 
Did we talk about, did we, did we shout out Benoit for getting engaged recently? I don't know if we did, so we're going to take a second to do it. So shout out Woo. Benoit and his fiance were engaged recently. I like Woo. how you snuck that in there. Uh, <laughs> so we have to acknowledge it. I really like what you said, and I, I, I'm trying to take it back and connect it to, like, the teens. Like, Justin and I work primarily with teens, and, like, that I see it at, yeah, like, at the school that I'm at or in other uh, settings that I've been in where there is that, like, well, I don't want to put myself out there or I don't want to do something that's different because I just don't want to, like, mess up or I don't want to... When it comes to, like, the topic of, like, making friends, like, a lot of, and even, like, myself and, like, other people, like, you get really comfortable with, like, your friend. And I don't mean to say that, like, that I need to move away from my friends. I love my friends. But, like, <laughs> it's just, like, when you're younger, like, you get that, like, you're comfortable with who you're with and you don't really want to change because you think it'll be really uncomfortable. And then when it's, like, okay, how do I make friends again? I don't know. It's been a long time. Like, I've had the same friends since, like, elementary, middle school. And then the the suggestions of like oh join a club do a sport talk to someone at lunch is like hell no like that's uncomfortable as fuck like why would I want to do that to myself why would I put myself in that situation but yeah I think you're you're absolutely right like the the rigidity and staying the same is that like tightness of uh, the finger trap really having a grip on us and it's not until we almost not give up but not until we're open to a new experience or or trying something different or new information where we can like be freed of this rigidity yeah it's it's not quite a it doesn't quite fit but i'm gonna try to make it fit super quickly where Mm -hmm. do you guys remember the memes when we were in early college maybe like five to eight years ago uh, about when people are like oh it's a lot of women they're like of course this is a joke on a meme but a lot of women are like oh i don't have a lot of high expectations for men they just have to be rich handsome successful and uh, loving i was like hold on a minute so which one is it you have no <laughs> expectations or you want a perfect guy and in a, a white knight in, uh, knight in shining armor to show up on a horse you can only pick one and that's kind of what i sense from what you said eddie where you have to pick a side because life's about trade-offs often. Compromise. Boom. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Eddie, you're so right. People don't want to be uncomfortable. And that's a natural human reaction. And I loved that Benoit used the finger trap analogy because I say that to kids all the time. <laughs> I tell, especially my kids who are, like, admitted to the hospital and they're just, like, they're, they're so angry and they want to get out. And I'm just like, the best way to get out is to just give in. Work with your therapist. Try and learn as much as you can. Try and and better yourself as much as you can because the more you fight it, the more you resist it, the more it clamps down on you. So Mm -hmm. I'd love hearing you use that same analogy. But I think that's kind of going back to misconceptions as to why people don't want to be open to psychedelics. The people don't want to be uncomfortable. And the idea of doing something different, the idea of being out of control, the idea of your entire reality melting in front of you is uncomfortable. Absolutely. But that creates so much healing and creates such an area where you are open to more healing. And the data from a lot of the studies on the guided trips that say if you have the right mindset and the right physical setting and if you have a guide, the rate of a bad trip is actually pretty minimal. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it's somewhere around 1%. Like it's pretty small. And 
even if you do have a bad trip, it was, I just read an article on this. It was like something like over 50% of people still found that to be an incredibly eye-opening and important experience in their life as well. So being open to something uncomfortable sometimes is what you have to do to make the change that you need in your life. This might be a controversial statement. And if you guys receive any hate and the heat, redirect them to my way. <laughs> I'll, I'll receive all the, all the heat from this, <laughs> from what I'm about to say. I don't think that bad trip is a thing. Mm. Like, colloquially, yes, you have a bad air quote trip where it's not what you expected. The shattering reality was too hard because it is, a, it's very dramatic. Not to sound dramatic, but it's very dramatic. And because of their urge to retain their control of this unknown experience, which is funny to even say it out loud, that's when this bad trip happens because they can't integrate. Like, what is this? I mean, experiencing is where are these colors? Where are these shapes in the sky? I can see another world when I close my eyes. None of this makes sense. Someone help me. And they want to double down on their control. But the more you try to control of the unknown, unknown really kicks you in the ass many folds. So I feel like even with bad trips, I think it's more about the trips that were unpleasant to your expectations versus having an actual bad trip per se. But I really stand by that because I've had numerous air quote bad trips. But when I journaled about it, when I did some Google University research of what does this mean? What did I just experience? I can usually take something away and integrate it to my life. And then I was like, wow. That was incredible. I don't know what the fuck that was, but I want to do it again. <laughs> and gradually over time, you build the level. And to my, in my case, I built up enough courage and comfortability and exposure to have my life changing truly and healing journey that I had through my psychedelic experience. I'm thinking of, uh, this is stupid. Uh, I'm thinking of the... <laughs> Great start. <laughs> What's the line? It's like, um, I got it. Hold on. It's like, don't be sad because it's over. Like, be happy that it happened or something. Very loosely is like similar and related of like, yeah, it, it's there's it happened. You still had the experience and you still have the opportunity uh, to make changes and, and come back from it. And, and that experience can still shape you in a quote-unquote positive way or or a, a different way that may work out better for you so kind of close kind of not close i see some head nodding so i'm gonna take that i like it <laughs> great buy-in great buy-in <laughs> we're getting already towards the end of our time i think let's talk future stuff so i know we talked a little bit about oregon two years ago passing their psilocybin bill Colorado just voted uh, on legalizing psilocybin and won with 52% of the vote. So that's now two states and the District of Columbia, I believe, that have at least decriminalized it. In Colorado, the new law allows for the use of psilocybin uh, at state-regulated sites called healing centers. So I'm excited to see if that actually translates mm -hmm. into actual healing centers where people can sign up and go do this it also legalizes personal use growing and sharing of psilocybin dmt mescaline and adults over the age of 21 
commercial state commercial sale is still illegal so they're not going to be it's not going to be like the cannabis industry where all of a sudden these major corporations are dumping millions of dollars into growing as much weed and selling as much weed as possible which i agree with i'm glad they didn't do that with psilocybin states like oklahoma and texas are drafting legislation uh, to explore psychedelic research Around 60 different bills within the past couple of years have been introduced in the United States to, to research psychedelics, but most of them never actually go to a vote. That's why the Colorado one was such a big deal. So what's timeline? What's future? What do you see this as? Like, Do you see it continuing to be something of a backroom practice with healers? Does it become more mainstream? What do you think? Projections into the future. Use that frontal lobe. Anything I just, I'm about to say could be wrong tomorrow, a month from now. So please don't hate me for it. This is all fun and games and educated guests. Um, so I just want to start with that disclaimer. Uh, I am actually pretty concerned about the current psychedelic renaissance we're in, air quote, as a lot of people talk about it. And we briefly touched that on our episode together, episode 115. What I mean by that is there's a lot of talking heads who want to, hop onto this trend of the popularity or increasing popularity of psychedelics. A lot of people are getting interviewed. A lot of people are advocating themselves as this holistic psychedelic gurus. If you call yourself a guru, you're probably fake. Guru is bestowed upon. You don't call yourself a guru, right? Often. And because of that, I feel like a lot of the real evidence and healing potentials are overshadowed by all these social media, all these exposure, all these renaissance with all these talking figures and i think in terms of science we're finally catching up since the halt since the 60s by nixon uh, Edmund. at the same time i think the legal or the policy arms as a former policymaker we are very behind tim ferris who is a huge advocate for psychedelics and maps through john hopkins a lot of them talk about the sciences here period at the same time the policy and the infrastructure to support the science is not here. Harvard Law School created their first psychedelic research legal center, I think about a year and a half or two years ago. My timeline could be a little bit loose after the pandemic. And their effort is to help spearhead and support the ever-expansive science behind psychedelics, which is amazing, right? Especially like an entity like Harvard Law School stepping up. But as we both know, or as we all know that Colleges tend to be more liberal, especially like Harvard and a lot of Ivy Leagues. So I'm afraid that this enthusiasm by the public is a little bit skewed. And it's actually not representative of the actual perceptions and actual enthusiasm on psychedelics. Uh, I know I didn't answer your question whatsoever, but so (laughs) so I'll answer your question super briefly. I feel like we're going to see some explosion about psychedelic research a, a new article is coming out literally every week on psychedelics. It's wild. And it's awesome for people like us who like to nerd out. At the same time, I think the gap between research and policy is only going to expand at this current rapid expansions of research versus the stagnant and unchanging policy aspect. And I think that's going to create some negative ripple effect that's unforeseeable. In addition to big pharma, now they want a piece of the game. And they got a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources. They got everything. So once you're intervenes into this, I know for a fact it's going to taint the purity of this medicine that I truly, truly love and believe in. And 
yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that. At the same time, I'm also aware of the nuances that Big Pharma does have their resources, so they can be that springboard to really help launch this helping and life-saving medicine. So I feel very conflicted, but I'm hopeful about the future. Uh, as I tell people that if you're born anytime after 2000s, you're born into the greatest era, period. And the people who are born in 2050s, they're born into the greatest era, period. So I think on a whole, like a overall societal level, I really believe, and I'm saying this because I'm, I'm very cynical through my policy experience, so I'm saying this in part for myself yeah. as well, but I think a large society is swinging towards the right directions, and the journey may not always be easy, but I think the outcome will be worth it. And when that day comes, I think a lot of millions and millions of people's lives will be changed and saved like my own, and I'm really excited that we are in the midst of this exciting time, honestly. It's very, very exciting to be alive in this very period where we're old enough that we can actually venture or talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can be the mentors and the elders, so to speak, in this era, like 20, 30 years on the road, impart some needed insights, wisdom, and support for the next generation. Uh, but I'm very hopeful overall, but I do have some concerns here and there. Damn. <laughs> Benoit, are you tired of blowing Eddie's mind? <laughs> I think what's cool about this, like not just today's episode, but just the the whole we we've all three of us have shared about our our podcast journey, you know, and, and since meeting each other. But I think what's really cool about all of this is just that we get to like continually learn while having like a good ass time, like recording and putting out content and like having people that like listen to it and enjoy it. So like, I feel like I learned so much today and it's like one of those things where you get like that excitement and like, man, I got to read more. Like I need to like, I need to look this up more often. Like I, I want to look this up more often. This is really cool. So thank you. I want to say thank you for, for doing that for us, for, for sharing with us, for, for having us on your show and not coming on our show. Like just, just thank you, Ben more. Like I, I appreciate it. I know Justin appreciates it. Yeah, I uh, yeah appreciate the obviously the affirmations and yeah I I still can't believe there's all these people who choose to listen to us you know people <laughs> it's like it blows my mind that this passion project that I started with a friend three years ago is becoming this thing with listeners from 21 different countries I just mm -hmm. saw that wrapped by Spotify yeah yeah um, it's I, it blows my mind truly but I think the real cherry on top no no. no I think that's the cherry on top. I think the real appetizer and the main dish is the connections we build. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, one of you live in Omaha. One of you live in Oregon. I live in LA. <laughs> like, when could we possibly ever meet? Yeah. That's like, go to a bar? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know Bumble has a, I know Bumble has a making new friends feature. So maybe mm -hmm. through Bumble in a different lifetime. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's insane. And I always used to feel a bit lonely because I feel like where can I find people that can talk about everything with in a very mindful, and intentional way where the attention is dying fast. Mm -hmm. And through podcasts, I found that avenue and I found I think I've interviewed 85 people by, by this point and Damn. not everyone's friends, of course, but like a good a good portion of those people, they're wiser than I am. They're smarter. They're more accomplished. They have more experiences, but do you see the humility? Like, I know, Eddie, you're joking around, but like your humility and your compassions and our ability to willing to initiate and make new connections 
despite the fear of rejections and all this fear we all have tying back to your earlier conversations mm. it's amazing and i i this is what i live for i hate the seo i hate the distributions i hate the marketing but these conversations every week is why i'm excited to hop on after a long ass freaking day at work <laughs> uh, since all of us do more than just this right yeah. but i i'm honored and i really appreciate you guys for having me seriously of course of course we're honored to have you sir and I know we talked a little bit about what you're involved in, but yeah, this is your shot to give the listeners, how can they find you and, and how can they get in touch with your content? Everyone come to my platform. Um, that's the <laughs> <laughs> only reason why I'm here is to plug. All these are just a cherry. <laughs> um, of course, but uh, joking aside, I, I'm really passionate about mental health. That's how all three of us were connected through mental health. Um, I really feel like what uh, Eddie shared on my show about mental health is health. I know that's Justin and Eddie's mission statements. That's also my mission statements. So if you're interested in what I talked about, if you feel like I'm not too esoteric or too weird, uh, I'm not being too deep for no reason, because I definitely could be too deep at times. Not everything has to be too serious, right, in life, because life's already plenty serious. If you're interested, you want to check out Eddie and Justin's episode 115, and bunch of other amazing, amazing people that I question, why did you say yes to be on my show? I don't deserve you, but I'm glad that they did. So uh, check me out and check out the content that we have on Discover More Podcast uh, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you receive your favorite dosage of podcasts. If you want to connect with me, send me some messages, bring these conversations offline, or ask me a lot more questions about psychedelics, mental health, everything in between. Shoot me a message on Instagram at Discover More Podcast. And Discover More means discover more insights, discover more life stories, and discover more practical insights for mental health. Because I really believe that all of us walk this path of life together. So why not make it a little bit less suffering and a little bit easier by leaning onto each other? Hell yeah. Thank you, Benoit, again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, all of his stuff will be plugged on our on our posts, on our on our episodes, on our Instagram, all that good stuff. So we will be sure to make it as accessible as possible. Justin, I'm playing this out. We are done for today. This is too much mind-blowing for me. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Thank you, as always, for supporting. We we saw our Spotify wrap today. We, we appreciate all the support that we've been getting over the last three years. You know where to find us, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to leave us a five-star review and leave us a comment if you'd like to. On Spotify, you can leave a five-star review. We're on TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube. What did I miss? Twitter. It's all at Millennial MHC. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to be a part of what we are creating. And as always, take care of y'all. Thank you.